0: And what we do this morning is we are going to continue. And actually, we're going to conclude our series. And our series has been the the topic of greater than. The big idea is that as we go into the year 2020, we don't know what's going to happen. We know that there's going to be great highs. And we know that there's also going to be lows that we will all experience, like I just announced, actually. We will have some lows, but one thing that we do know that we can hold tightly to is that God is greater. And our passage has been Psalm 145, verse 3, where it says, Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. And we talked about the idea that God is greater than our vision. He's greater than what we see. God is greater than our sin. He has overcome our sin. God is greater than sickness, and he's greater than fear and depression, and God is greater than politics. God is greater than culture. And today, as we conclude this message, I'll be speaking on the subject, God is greater than life, church. God is greater than life, church. Our passage this morning is going to be in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And if you just turn there on your apps or if I hear some pages rustling, that'd be great too. And let's turn to Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to read it this morning. I'm going to pray, then I'm going to preach, and then we are going to enjoy this beautiful day and all go to the roadhouse for a burger. (laughs) And watch the Canucks game at 2 o'clock this afternoon. Praise the Lord. God is good. God is good. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 2. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning that your presence changes atmospheres. And God, we pray that you would come this morning and that you would change the atmosphere in my heart. I pray that you would change the atmosphere in this room and you would change the atmosphere in our hearts, Lord God. Lord Jesus, so that we could experience you, Lord God. God, we want to know you, Lord Jesus. We want to know you, Lord God. And we pray this morning, Lord God, that you would come with your Holy Spirit and that you would move in this place. We pray that you would take these words that I'm about to speak and you would put your fire on them, Lord Jesus. God, that I would get out of the way that your presence would come and do whatever you want to do in this place. We glorify you and we thank you for what you are doing in Life Church and what you are doing in the church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I opened this sermon this morning with the question that I asked you on the first day. And the question is this, what do you see? What do you see? I have a saying in my home um, that I've been teaching my kids. Actually, I'm a little bit obsessive about it. When they were newborns, I was teaching this to them as I was holding them in the hospital. And I said this to them. I said, Josiah, Aubrey, Ashlyn. What's the number one thing? Of course, the answer is always Jesus, obviously, if you go to Sunday school. But what I'm getting at is the number one thing is attitude. And I've been teaching them ever since they were little newborns that the number one thing is attitude. That you can't choose your circumstances, but you can choose your attitude and how you respond to things. And when I ask the question, what do you see? I feel like we could have an attitude that might be very, very negative as we look around. Our attitude could be, man, it's, it's rough out there right now. I mean, mainline denominational churches are emptying in droves. The buildings are emptying. The rise of secularism in Europe and in North America is taking over our thought patterns and our thought life, and it's influencing everything from our entertainment to our family life. The drift from biblical morality and sexuality that is taking place could be discouraging and overwhelming. The governmental syllogism in the world. The persecution that the church is facing. I think we could easily have a bad attitude about what is happening in the world. But I have a message for you today. And that is this, that God is actually at work in the world today. That he has a plan that has been in action throughout history. It didn't start with life church. And it won't end with life, church. But God is moving on the planet. It is a plan that began at the very beginning of time. It is a plan that saw a revealing in the pinnacle experience of Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross. And upon his death and resurrection, God revealed his plan of how he was going to influence the world. And it's called the church. I believe that the church is the hope of the world. We are the body of Christ. Pastor Wendell Smith of the City Church said it this way. The church is what God uses to extend his kingdom. The church is the divinely ordained instrument to extend the kingdom of God. That God is raising up his church and it's always been in the heart of God. In the book of Haggai 2 9, it says that the glory of the latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace. That means, I believe, that we are moving towards the triumph of God. And we will see it in the church. The Jesus-centered movement known as the church began in the book of Acts, and it grew rapidly across the region. And the known world as the disciples multiplied and carried out the Great Commission. In Acts 4.4 it says, it tells us about a time where they preached the gospel. And the number of men that came in that day were 5,000. And that's just counting the men. It likely was more closer to, to 10,000 or 15,000 people who came and joined the church that day. And it grew and it multiplied and it expanded and it took over. And through 2,000 years, the church has endured prosperity and persecution. It has survived determined attempts by government to destroy it, as well as potential selfish attempts to politicize it. It has seen reformations and restructuring and revival. And there have been changes in methodology, but throughout it all, the message has remained the same. And that is Christ in us that God is moving, that he is coming, and that his message is restoration and hope and life eternal. This is the message of God. And this is, I believe, the great cloud of witnesses that surrounds us. Generations of believers, of people who have turned their hearts to Jesus, have lived a life set on him, and they surround us today as we move forward into what God is doing. What is God doing in the church? I love how it says it in Hebrews 39. We are not those who draw back into perdition, but those who believe and press on to the saving of our souls. God's got something great for us to do. In 1 Corinthians 12, 27, it says, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Let me know that the church that I'm talking about here is not found within walls. But the church that I'm talking about is you and me. Together we form the body of Christ. Together we form the body of Christ. So, what is God doing? In Matthew 16, 18, this is what he said. He says, Jesus said, I also say that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What is God doing? Jesus is building his church. You see, God is greater than the circumstances we see that surround us. God is greater than the political influence that is pushing against his plan. God is greater than the lack of morality that we see in the world around us. He is moving and he is doing something and it cannot be stopped. There is a great cloud of witnesses that surrounds us. So let me just give you a few examples of things that God is doing on the planet today. Let it incite, incite you and excite you and get you, get you excited about what God is doing. First of all, in uh, December of this year, 30, December 31st, 2020, 65,000 students Gave up their New Year's Day plans to gather at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia to lift up the name of Jesus. Isn't that awesome? And they glorify God and they worshiped and they praised and there was great messages that were given and they gave up their time because they wanted him first. Another example of what God's doing on the planet today is in Iran. Iran. According to a documentary called Sheep Among Wolves 2, it suggests that the fastest growing church in the world today is in Iran. Now, I know that's hard to quantify, but they're saying what's happening is because they have lived under 40 years of Islamic rule, they've discovered and, and, and experienced that it's an oppressive governmental system. And the mosques are emptying. And people at the risk of their lives are pursuing Jesus and telling others about him. And they're saying that the movement is actually taking place mostly among the women of the country. And there's testimonies of these women that leave on, 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 on a morning and they'll say to their husband, today might be my day. I, I might not make it through this day. But if that is the case, so be it. Because I'd rather have Jesus. And this church doesn't have walls and doesn't have finances it has homes and people who are turning to Jesus in droves. In the darkness, there has been a great light. There has been a great light. Here's another one. In February 8th, 2020, this just happened, you guys, last Saturday. Not this last Saturday, but the previous Saturday, one hundred and forty-four people filled three stadiums in Brazil For a 12-hour event called The Send. And they gathered together and they glorified the name of Jesus. And they lifted up his name and they went out with passion and authority. Ready to go and bring the gospel to their nation. This is what God is doing on our planet I want to just read a quote from this co-organizer, Andy Bird and Teo Hashi said, Thousands made decisions for Jesus, committed to fasting, Bible reading plans, and mission to the nations, colleges, and high schools. According to Bird, who's the leader of Youth with a Mission there, said, The outpouring of healings and miracles and signs and wonders was mind-blowing. The whole event was about the exaltation of Jesus and the empowerment of the 24-year-old, equipping the next generation to change the world. God is moving. God is moving. And finally, there's a kind of an interesting um, thing that's happening in the entertainment world. There's a, um, the second highest selling rap artist of all time. His name is Kanye West. And last year, he publicly declared his conversion to Jesus. He testified that he had given his life to him. And what he's doing is he's given up his concerts and he's putting on these things every weekend called the Sunday service. There's basically a worship service and say what you want to. We don't know the end result of this, but the fruit right now is that every weekend, thousands of people are giving their lives to Christ. God is moving. God is moving. God is moving in the world around us. And there is a great cloud of witnesses. And you know what, church? We get to be a part of it. Isn't that awesome? See, here's, here's what I want to say to you today. Because it could be a little bit confusing to see this message that says, God is greater than life, church. What are you saying? What I'm saying is that God is moving and he will continue to move. And it's not on us because Jesus is building his church. You know what our job is? It's to find out what he's doing and where he's going and to get on board and to walk beside him. And say, okay, let's do this. Let's build this thing. You see, church, it actually matters that we gather. It actually matters that we gather. So how do we respond to what God is doing on the planet? How do we respond to the fact that God is moving, that he has been moving throughout history, that there is a growing great cloud of witnesses, kind of like the word that my dad gave this morning about generation to generation. As it gets passed down from generation to generation, it continues to grow and expand and multiply and God moves on the planet. How do we respond to that church? And it is a response. It's a response to him. I have five words I want to highlight of how we respond to God. And we're going to go back to our text this morning to find them, okay? Um, and the text was Hebrews 12. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... God moving on the planet. God having his way. Thousands of people gathering to worship and and serve. People all around the world growing. Churches growing. Churches in our area growing. God moving on college campuses. God moving on university campuses. God meeting high school students. God meeting people in their homes. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, what does it say? Let us lay aside every weight. I just thought about a few weights that I believe that God wants us to lay aside. And the first one is the weight of pride. The first word is humility. In Psalm 8, verse 4, it says, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? In James 4, 6, it says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And in 1 Peter 5, 6, it says, So humble yourself under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Now, I want to unpack this idea of humility, because I think it's very confusing. <laughs> it can be very confusing. I love the quote by C.S. Lewis. He says this, he says, um, Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. See, when when I was a young man, I loved Jesus, right? And I I tried to love Jesus, as we all do. I mean, if you were serving him at the time, we all do that. We we tried to serve Jesus. And I would read the Bible, and I'd read about this idea of humility, that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And I thought, man, I just want to be humble, so how do I get there? And the way that I tried to get there was beating myself up. And I was really good at it. I mean, I could kick myself so hard. I mean, I was just awesome at just beating myself up. I just need to put myself down so that God can be glorified. And I used to think that that was humility. That my goal was to put myself down. But I don't believe that that is the biblical model of humility. I believe the biblical model of humility is the model that John the Baptist showed us. Where he said, more of you. And less of me. See, what I see in the scriptures is the Bible says that in the fear of the Lord, there's strong confidence. In fact, I believe that biblical humility could often be mistaken for confidence. Here's what I mean. I am walking today in what God has told me that I am. He said, you are the righteousness of Christ in me. So guess what? I've never been as righteous as I am right now. Oh, that sounds prideful. Do you know what you're saying, Matt? Yes, I'm reading the scriptures, and this is what it's telling me, and this is what I'm walking in. See, humility is saying, I come under the word of God, and I let the word of God tell me who I am. And humility for me is that I'm going to walk it out in my day-to-day life. And I'm not going to be intimidated by other people around me. And you know what What, what um, that, the, the former version of humility actually does to you? It makes you very insecure. Which makes you actually very judgmental of other people. Because you're trying to, well, they obviously have some issues too. And man, if, if you know if they just, you know, and oh man, and I'm such a worm. But man, they're even worse than me. And you know, all these other things. It's, it's ridiculous. True humility is confidence in God. True humility is confidence in God. So what does that look like in life? Church, We need to be confident in what God's called us to do. We're a part of what God is doing. Church, I want you to understand this morning. We are a part of what God is doing. Those 144,000 people that met in Brazil, we get to be a part of that today. And you say, well, what does that look like? There's not 145,000 people. No, but you came. And you're here, and that is a sign of God's grace working in your life. He brought you here today, and he's got a call and a plan for your life. He's got something for you to do and something for you to achieve. And you know what the greatest thing is? To glorify him. So God is working in you today. And God is working in this church and if we live out that type of humility, which is confidence, and we're going to bring hope to the hopeless. We are life church. Come on. Right? So if we know that and we can walk in that, you know what it allows us to do? It allows us to celebrate when other churches are rocking it. I mean, hey, listen, I grew up in the church and I heard lots of different things. You know, it was very common, and I was a part of this too, to hear, all oh, this church, they're growing, and they're, they're exploding, and oh my goodness, and look at what they're doing over there. And, you know, the, the next thing is, well, but did you hear about this person over there and that, that pastor that's doing that? Oh, really? Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's some issues over there. Church, we don't have to go there, and we don't have to be like that. We can celebrate what God is doing in other churches because God is working in us. Do you understand that? Is that... That's good, you hearing me? Let's be a church that is generous with our praise. Let's be a church that is excited and ex- for what God is doing in other churches. We can be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus and what he's doing in life church. Amen? Because he is moving here. Which leads me to number two, the second weight. The word is generosity and the weight is greed and selfishness. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The outpouring of love is when you give. It's when you give. So let's be generous with our praise to God. Let's be generous with our words and what we say about other churches And other people. And let's be generous with our forgiveness. Luke 6.36 says, Therefore be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give. And it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. I have a dangerous thought. I have this thought that when I get to heaven, if I get in trouble for anything, I'd like to get in trouble for being a little bit too merciful. And not for being too judgmental. Because he is the judge. He is the judge. And so let's be generous. Let's live our lives with our arms wide open. Because we know who we are in Christ. And we can walk in confidence and humility in that. And we can welcome people. And we can love the unlovely. And we can bring hope to the hopeless. Amen? You guys with me? Okay, there's three more. You guys are doing great. Three more. OK, so we've got we've got the first weight is the weight of pride. The second weight is the weight of greed and selfishness. And now we're going to move on because it goes on to say, let us lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily ensnares. Oh, I was looking forward to getting to this part because the next word is the word repentance. What does it say? Lay aside sin. Let me read a couple of scriptures to you. Ezekiel 36, 26, I will give you a new heart and I'll put a, my spirit within you and I'll take out the heart of stone uh, out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Acts three nineteen. repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. James 4.8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. And purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now I know when you hear that last one, it sounds very condemning. I mean, I could really go off on that right now. Like, um, I'm thinking of the, the preacher from the movie Pollyanna, where the chandelier would start shaking. It's an older movie. Sorry, it's an old reference. I apologize. I grew up on Disney movies, okay? And the, the sh- I, could, I could go off on that right now. You sinners! How dare you! No, I'm not going to go there, because it just makes me sick just even talking like that and acting that way. It's disgusting. What does the scripture say? Oh, I love it. Hebrews 12. Therefore, lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares. You know what that is? That's called grace. I'll praise Jesus that he put that word in there. Because if that word's not in there, Lay aside that sin that you keep falling into, you silly person. You sinner. How dare you? No, 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 no. Lay aside the sin that so easily ensnares. I I have to do this. This is is not, but this is so good. We just got to go there right now. 1 Corinthians. I believe it's 6 verse 11. Lord, please let that reference be right. Oh yeah, that's it. So good. You got to hear this. This is so good. Check this out. 6 verse uh, 9. Okay, here's what it says. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceivers, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, if that passage stops right there, we are hooped. I mean, that is, I'm, I'm hooped. I mean, I may not have done any of these things in reality, but the Bible says it's about your heart. And even adultery, like Jesus says, you know, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery with them. So I'm hooped. But then it says this, and such were some of you. But you were washed, and you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of the Lord. See, praise the Lord. It easily ensnares. And such words to this church, quickly, with a soft heart, when God reminds us of our sin, we say thank. It's easy to fall into that. It's easy to forget. God, I forgot. God, forgive me. And He is faithful and just to forgive your sins. See, right now, in this moment, in this church, in this very minute, you could be made righteous as if you've never sinned. He blots out your transgressions. See, Matt, that doesn't even make sense. That is the gospel. Right now, Lord, forgive me for X, Y, Z. Keep my heart soft before you. Because that sin easily ensnares. Amen? So we have the weights. We have the sin that easily ensnares. Let's just lay it aside, church. Come on, let's put it aside. And let's move forward in Christ. Let's move forward today as the righteousness of God, his bride. We are spotless before God. And we can stand on that authority today. It's not us. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. Amen? And you might think that's pride. I call it confidence in Christ. In my, I, I boast in him alone. Right? Just using some biblical language so you know that I'm speaking truth. Okay. Number four. The word is expectation. Lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily ensnares And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Psalm 62, verse 5. My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. Oh, Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all that we could ask or think according to the power that works in us. Life church, God is moving on the planet. He has been moving throughout history. It didn't start with us, it won't end with us, but we get to be a part of it. So, what are we expecting from God? I have high expectations. I believe there's great things coming to this church. Pastor Charlie Sweet just came and prophesied over our church. He actually prophesied to Tanya and I, but he also said this word is for the church. And this is what he said. He says that there's an authority upon our church to tear down principalities. There are strongholds in this area that are going to be broken. And he said, I am building an army of young people. And I see it. I see it. Do you? Do you see it? Do you know that we serve a great God? He is building his church. So what are our expectations? If we serve a God whose greatness is unsearchable, we can't even begin to imagine the things that he's going to do. And you know who he does it through? Through his church. Through you. Through you. Through you. Through you. Through you. And through you. Come on, this is the word of God. This is not the word of Matt. This isn't pump up hour with Matt Jansen. No. This is the word of God. I'm just telling you what the word says. All right? You with me? Okay, here's the last one, you guys. The last word is this personal revival. And this is what it says. In Hebrews chapter 12, 11, 12, it says, "Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, this move that God is having on the planet, this move that began before time, that is that is working in us, and is working around us, and through us, and is working, and we get to be a part of it. Let us lay aside the weights and the sin that so easily ensnares, and let's run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the Author and the Finisher of our faith." who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And the word I'm using for this is personal revival. I believe that revival starts in each one of us. That as much as it is a supernatural, I remember hearing about this, mystical, mythical revival when I was a kid. And we would come together. We would have, you know, prayer services for revival. And when revival comes, everything's going to be awesome. And we're going to have church seven days a week. And uh, and people are going to be falling under the presence of God. And, and there's going to be all these amazing things happening and healing happening. But I really think that a lot of these things that we talk about as such big ideas are actually extremely practical And it's about turning our attention to Jesus when we're tempted to turn it somewhere else. I think that's actually spiritual warfare. It's so practical. It's so simple. Oh, man, I just want to escape into Instagram. Some of you are like, I don't know what you're talking about. It's a thing. Instagram. I just want to escape into this movie. I just want to escape into this book. I just need this. I just need that. And what we really need to be doing is turning our attention to Jesus. I, I think the battle is actually won in the moments. I was praying about this this week. I, I'm a busy guy. Got a lot on the go. Kids, basketball, real estate, pastoring. I love it. God is good. But in the midst it, I'm trying to figure out, God, what do you want? How do you want me to work this? How do you want me to do this? And I felt like what the Lord said to me is, Matt, I just want you to win the moment. I wrote that down on my board. Win the moment. So I know that there was grace for yesterday, but that's yesterday's grace. I know that there's going to be grace for right now. And I know that there's going to be grace for tomorrow. But what I need to lean on and rest in today is the grace for today. The grace for today. And I need to live it out. 2 Corinthians 5:8, 5, 5:18. 8, 5, now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and given us a ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. God is constantly bringing us back to himself. That's that conviction of sin. God okay, I respond, I I respond to you, I repent, God, bring me back into right relationship with you. And he does. He restores. His glory is revealed in restoration. But then he's also given us a ministry of reconciliation. That we can go out into the world and we can help draw people back into right relationship with God. And we can live it out in the moments, and we can live it out of 2 Corinthians 6, Chronicles 16.9 says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. He's just looking for people that will turn their hearts to him. Would you turn your heart to him today? And so I will conclude this message today with a few statements. Number one, it matters that we gather. God is bigger than Life Church. He's doing something greater than we could ever imagine, but we are actually a part of it. And it is so important that we come together on Sunday mornings and in our Bible studies, in our life groups, and we gather together in community because God is doing it through us. We're a part of what God is doing on this planet. And the second thing is this what do you see? What do you see? Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly all that we could ask or think. I want you to realize that God is working in your life in ways that you might not even realize it. And I believe that we can ask the Lord, God, enlighten the eyes of my heart that I would know what is the hope of my calling. This movement that's taking place on the planet is taking place in our hearts in our lives. And I believe God is getting ready to break out. God is ready, getting ready to do something amazing in us. Would we be prepared for it? And would our hearts be turned to him? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for what you're doing. We're so grateful for your work in this planet, Lord God. And on this earth. And God, we're so thankful that we are called to be a part of it, an integral part of what you're doing. Lord, I pray for each person here today, Lord Jesus. God, that you would meet each one, Lord God. I pray that our hearts would be turned to you and that our minds would be set on you, Lord God. God, we come eagerly with anticipation saying, God, what do you want to do in my life? And we say, Lord, come and have your way. Make us a unified body and let us walk with confidence and humility. Let us walk with generosity and a spirit of repentance. Let us live with expectation about what you're going to do in our lives, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, that you're never done. God, you're always working, you're always moving, and you're always having your way in us and changing us to be more and more like you every day. And we pray, finally, that we would live in a place of personal revival. Where we are meeting with you and being changed by you. And just as we close today, I just wonder if there's anybody here today, you just need a fresh touch of the Lord this morning. You just need to to experience that fresh touch of his Holy Spirit. If that's you here today, would you just raise up your hand? I just want to pray a special prayer over you this morning as well. God, I just pray for those that are raising up their hands right now, Lord God, that are expressing a need to experience you, Lord God. I pray that you would come with your Holy Spirit and power, that you would work in each heart, Lord Jesus. God, that we would be changed today, Lord God, uh, by your presence, Lord Jesus. And I pray for a spirit of peace and restoration to rest on each one who with their hands raised right now, Lord God. I pray that we would grow in you. Thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for coming today. We're so glad that you were able to join us. Can't wait to see you next week. Um, In the meantime, we have some coffee and some snacks there in the back. If you need prayer this morning, if you need personal prayer for anything, we have a prayer team that will be waiting for you on either side of the stage. And we'd invite you to come up and receive prayer this morning. In the meantime, let's meet some new people, church. And uh, welcome, people, and I, I pray that this week is a great week for you, that you go in grace, in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day.